Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. My name is Adam, your host, and today we're going to be talking about guns, gun crime, and statistics, particularly statistics from the FBI um, and what they may or may not say about gun crime and how prevalent it is. So on the podcast with me, I had Wyatt Spitholler, and he was a wonderful asset to have on hand because we were able to kind of calmly discuss and debate uh, about the topic. You will get to hear where our biases lie because we cover those in the beginning. I think that's important to kind of show you guys where we're coming from so that you go into this discussion eyes wide open uh, and so you're not wondering where exactly uh, we're coming from. So just to kind of give you a little bit of a layout of the podcast, we kind of go over some terms, our biases in the beginning, and then we kind of cover the statistics from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Just want to reiterate that. Uh, so these aren't statistics from Fox News. These aren't statistics from CNN. Uh, these are from the federal government, from the body that does a lot of this investigation, the FBI. So uh, after that, we kind of go into some discussion on maybe what you want to do if you're concerned about, you know, being a victim of a crime what you want to do maybe as just a prepared citizen. Thanks a lot for listening. Here you go. Enough silence. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I'm eating bananas. Not really. Uh, or maybe really. Maybe. But I'm definitely eating. So, this week... I have Wyatt Spitholler in the studio again. Wyatt, Round welcome two. to the podcast. Round two, thanks for having me. Uh, this week will not be an interview with Wyatt. Uh, however, it will be a discussion of a topic. So it's going to be kind of a controversial podcast this week, I think. It shouldn't be. I feel like be. we should be able to discuss this freely, and people should be able to have an open mind mm -hmm. no matter what side of the debate you're on. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting one. So this week we are going to cover the topic of firearms. We're going to talk about uh, violence that's involved with a lot of firearms. We're going to talk about um, statistics, both in the United States and in one country in particular abroad, uh, which is Australia. And we are going to kind of wrap it all up for you with some, so maybe some recommendations that we have in how you can kind of take this information and go forward. It's going to be tricky. We're going to do our best. But we hope that you have an open mind and maybe you come away with some information that maybe you didn't have before or a, a nuanced way of looking at the topic. Um, that you didn't have before. So perhaps we should start by saying what our individual bias is. Yeah, and a little disclaimer is probably A little disclaimer. Um, 
we both enjoy shooting sports. Um, for several years, I participated in both law enforcement explorers, why it did too. Uh, and I also participated in, um, Olympic style three position shooting, um, which was a blast and helped me kind of learn about how my mind worked because it was very sort of Zen focus that you kind of needed for it. So that's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from an enthusiast's background. I'm coming from somebody who's participated in the sport, uh, as well as um, I have hunted in the past. So just so that you know where I'm coming from, that's how I'm coming at this. But statistics are what they are. I can't skew them. Um, the best I can do is maybe shed some light on what people are talking about when they have certain um, catchphrases that they say, whether it's within the gun community or outside the gun community. So that's the type of stuff that I want to talk about. So I'm going to leave it to you because I don't know your bias necessarily. Yeah, no. Well, I do. but um, Well, I, I come from a background of both enthusiasm, uh, livelihood, and exposure. Uh, at a young age, I grew up just being around them all the time. Like It was just a kind of a natural part of life. Didn't think anything about it. Um, have different family members have been involved in the community at different levels um, throughout my life. I was introduced to them very early. I've hunted. Obviously, you got to use firearms to do that. Well, mm -hmm. I guess you can use a bow, but um, hunted with firearms in the past. I enjoy shooting sports. And uh, like Adam said, I also participated in law enforcement explorers, which, again, firearms are kind of a natural part of that. So those are my biases. I don't, I'm an avid user. I'm an avid enthusiast. But like Adam said, there's stats and the numbers don't lie. So kind of have a program I kind of wanted to touch on. First off, we kind of want to talk about some definitions. And you hear a lot of different definitions thrown around. It's one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest things to make fun of by people who own firearms and it's one of the most confusing seemingly slash um, areas that people don't necessarily understand unless you're in the firearm community so it can be really a murky area so what we want to do is we kind of want to top talk about some different firearm types um, and common firearms that you're going to see so first off uh, let's define the different types of um, firearms. So you have some that are, um, the, the big things that people like to demonize, obviously, are semi-automatic and fully automatic firearms. Yeah. So it all depends, it all has to do with the internal mechanisms and triggers. So semi-automatic, with each pull of the trigger, you're going to shoot one bullet. Fully automatic is one pull of the trigger and the gun continues to shoot more and more rounds until you either run out of ammunition or you let off the trigger. Those are the two big things that you want to consider when people start talking about something on TV. There is no such thing as fully semi-automatic 
That's one that's thrown around a lot. That's one of the that's one of the big ones. Unfortunately, a U.S. Army general, if you look on, uh, I think it was a CNN, um, a CNN video, where a reporter went to a range with a retired Army general, and the retired Army general said, "All right, so I'm going to shoot this gun on semi-automatic," and he pulled the trigger slowly, one round being shot with each pull of the trigger. And then the military, the army general said, now I'm going to shoot it on fully semi-automatic. There is no such thing as fully semi-automatic. And he just rapidly pulled the trigger, one round being fired with each pull of the trigger. Um, he, that, I don't know how that dude made it to general without understanding that. Slightly embarrassing. A little bit embarrassing. Sorry, army. <laughs> but um, that's just the way that works. So obviously there's other stuff. Um if you think of a classic-looking hunting rifle, that's going to be a bolt action, meaning you pull the trigger, the gun goes off, and you have to manually cycle the um, the bolt to load another round in. Mm-hmm. Lots of different types of firearm mechanisms, but those are going to be probably your most common ones, yeah. or a pump for a shotgun. Mm-hmm. But um, So those are your common ones. We defined semi and full auto just so that everyone knows all uh, fully automatic guns in the United States are registered with all all the legal ones in the United States are registered with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, the BATFE. Um, So there is an actual registry and a database of these weapons. Some states ban them completely. Washington state is a state that bans fully automatics completely. Um, other states allow them. There have been no new um, consumer level fully automatics since 1986 when a ban went into place on manufacture of new fully automatic firearms. So any fully automatic firearm that was made prior to 1986 can be transferred between individuals. They're often they often fetch twenty thousand dollars at auction because they're so rare. Manufacturers of firearms can manufacture new fully automatic firearms, but they can only be used by the dealer or on the dealer's by other people on the dealer's property. So those are, um, just to kind of clear it up, yes, you can get access to fully automatic firearms, but they're old. Yeah. And yes, new fully automatic firearms can be manufactured, but often they're manufactured by a gun manufacturer that has some new technology that they want to show off, or they just want to show off how... um, durable their product is by shooting it under fully automatic fire. So semi-automatic is the only thing that you're going to get uh, legally for the most part in the United States. Now we've, we've had a bump stock ban yeah, um, recently, both in the state and I, and federally. And there are other mechanisms that create a, um, simulated fully automatic fire um but they're just attachments that stick on to semi-automatic rifles and Mm -hmm. often they 
don't work as well. Yeah, they're and they're not as controllable. As no, they're erratic. They're hard to control. They're not super reliable. Prone anyway. to jamming. Yeah, because you're artificially changing how that firearm is supposed to operate, so it's not going to operate as it's supposed to anyway. Right. So those are some uh, facts about semi-automatic, fully automatic firearms. Um, if a fully automatic, I haven't ever heard of a fully automatic firearm actually being used in a crime outside of maybe the bank ro- the bank robbery in um, California where the guys yeah. were fully dressed up in body armor. Mm-hmm. Kind of changed that, that one particular bank heist. Um, two dudes showed up with uh, fully automatic AKs. Um, and they proceeded to basically lay waste to police and anybody that was in the area of the bank robbery. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why that particular raid is exactly why police officers now have AR-15s in their cars because AR-15s can penetrate body armor for the most part. Typically, yeah. typically, there are some specific body armors that are meant to prevent high velocity projectiles, but that's a completely different conversation for another time. Yeah, leave that one alone. <laughs> yes. So, back to the rifles specifically. Let's talk about magazine capacity because everybody wants to talk about um, high capacity magazines. So, standard capacity, high capacity. Let's kind of get into that. So, guns like the AR-15, um, which is the original design, um, the M16 and the M4 are the military designations for specific rifles. But the gun was designed to shoot from a 20 or 30 round magazine. That's how it was designed. So that is standard capacity. Mm-hmm. 20 to 30 rounds. So putting a 10-round magazine, it wasn't intended to shoot from a 10-round magazine, but you can make the magazine smaller if you want. Mm-hmm. So 20 to 30 rounds is not high capacity. It is a standard capacity for those firearms. Now, there are certain companies that make 60-round magazines, that make 100-round magazines. Um, often they are jamming. They jam mm-hmm. quite frequently. You have to use the right ammo. You have to use... Everything has to be just right for those magazines to work. So anybody that tells you, oh my goodness, it was a high-capacity magazine, they haven't used many of them. No. I haven't ever actually seen one in real life ever be used, and they're, they're extremely rare for the most part. Um, but just, you know so that everyone knows guns have had 30 round standard capacities since what 1915 yeah i mean much. the original there were there were guns used in world war 1 whether they be prototypes or um, actual guns used in the trenches that had mm-hmm. magazines with 30 rounds in them yeah yep. and they were modified to fit 60 rounds sometimes but that's so we've had large capacity yeah magazines for almost 100 years now so 
just so everybody knows, just kind of getting that out there. Um, this is another uh, kind of definition, I think, that people may or may not be interested in. Um, people like to throw out their, um, what do you really need for hunting or self-defense? So what do you really need? I would argue that that really depends on you need something that you can be proficient enough with to be both able to protect yourself should you need to be efficient and ethical in the process of that. Mm -hmm. So like if you're hunting, if you're a good shot, your aim should be to put the animal down in one shot. Yeah. You might need to make two or three. If you're making a really long-range shot, um, like let's say you're in eastern Washington hunting mule deer, you're going to take a four or 500-yard shot. There's wind. You miscalculate. You need to take another shot. So, I mean. But then you're, you're obviously this is a, a, another topic, but right. you're, you're bumping right. into the ethics of that at this point. Sure. So, I really need, you shouldn't need to carry more than like five rounds. I think whenever we hunted, we'd carry bolt action rifles. We never put more than three rounds in mm -hmm. at a time. Which is also something that's mandated by state law and Department of Fish and Wildlife. They say you can have no more than X amount of rounds. It depends. Whatever they say. You know, if you're hunting uh, muzzleloader, which is a different type of farm that we're not really going to stay on or if you're hunting with shotguns or if you're hunting with modern firearms those each have their own categories so for hunting purposes that you're kind of legally required to only have a certain amount personally for protection i would say whatever you need is whatever you are going to need to get the job done should you need to protect yourself or your family which depending on your situation could be 30 rounds it could be. I mean, if you're in a highly populated area that is reasonably elevated in certain types of crime, you might need more. If you're really far away from police intervention, so if you're in a really rural area where it's going to be 15 or 20 minutes before the police get to you, you're going to want more ammunition in case. Mm -hmm. When you're talking life and death, it's much better to err on the side of in case than not to. Right. And it all goes back to being better prepared than the other person. Yeah. Somebody that intends to do you harm. In a self-defense situation, particularly, which, I mean, there are entire podcasts devoted to the, you know, preparing for self-defense situations. Right. And the reality is, most of us are never going to be in a situation like that. No. Ever. Like, people who are self, I'll just call them self-defense preppers. Yep. They take training all the time. They carry all the time. They have all the ammunition and the proper techniques and everything that they feel they need. And they're never going to use it a single time. Ever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that's, and I, I hope this is kind of what you get out of this podcast. 
when we we're talking here, right? We just acknowledge that if you have a gun for self-defense, you may need 30 rounds, but guess what? The chances are you'll never have to use it. Yeah. Yeah. They are extremely high that you'll never have to use it. But we like to err on the side of caution. I'm, I know I'm somebody like if I go hiking, I pack more water than I need. Or I pack, yeah. if I go on a trip, I pack more food than I need. Yep. And if I'm going into a self-defense situation, why wouldn't I want to pack more ammunition than I need? Mm-hmm. I don't want to run out. No. Nope. So it's just a different state of mind. If you, honestly, if you've never thought about self-defense, if you've never thought about anything like that, hey, good for you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But there are some people out there that want to think about these things and they want to be prepared. So this is kind of one of those things that, you know, if you've decided for some reason that nobody needs these things, maybe, maybe open your, I don't want to say open your mind, but I want to say open your eyes. (laughs) I I, I would just say there are some people that would like the option. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, for the same reason you said you want to carry more water than you need. I don't want to run out. It's going to be more physical work. You're carrying more weight and you're sweating more. Yeah. But you're not going to die. <laughs> and when it comes to firearms, if you own them, you have a higher degree of responsibility than mm-hmm. somebody who does not own them. And so you should understand that getting into it. I don't like people getting into firearms. I don't like people, you know, I've, I've heard some people say, hey, I'm going to get blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I don't think those, there are some people out there that I go, mm, they don't understand the weight of what they're doing. They don't understand the responsibility that they yeah. are undertaking. Yeah. Same with, you know, people that join the military and they don't understand. You may have to kill people. That's your job. Or police officers that join and they don't want to shoot a gun. That's your job. If you're the one with, part of it, yeah. if you're the one with the gun and I call you and I don't have a gun to protect myself, I need you to do it for me. Which is kind of the reason why people want to defend themselves, Mm -hmm. have the option for self-defense, is because oftentimes the police are at least five to ten minutes away. Even if they're close. Even if they're They're close. They're five to ten minutes away. Oftentimes there's only one patrol officer on shift between the hours of 8 p.m. and 5 a.m. There's often only one, and they cover hundreds of square miles. Yeah, vast or, or areas. Hundreds of square miles, I take that back. I was going to say, that's probably a little big, but... Thir- they, they'll cover, you know, a large area. How big is Thurston County? We're going to... We have a lot of Google references, so we're going to be Googling probably a fair bit while we talk today. Um, Thurston County Square. Thurston County is 774 square miles, so one deputy will often cover about 150 200 square miles at any given time. So it's a large range. And, um, and this comes from kind of like inside knowledge of the way the County works. 
uh, from being in explorers, they cover a lot of territory and you don't want to be the guy stuck at the opposite end of the county. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it would take us 15 minutes to get somewhere where there was a call. That's 15 minutes of, you know, you solving your own problems. You, yeah. You solving your own problems, having to deal with somebody who's not exactly pol- being polite to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's just one of those things to consider when you think about self-defense and think about other people who want to protect themselves. Okay. So there we go. Magazines, hunting, self-defense. Um, and to be completely honest, you know, opening the, you know, self-defense gun community to everybody out there. Why would you want to own an AR-15? Why would you want to own something that looks like an AK-47? Why would you want to own fill in the blank? Quite honestly, most people want something like the military has because it's a cool factor. Why do people drive Hummers? Cool factor. Cool There's factor. Nothing practical about them. Nothing at practical all. I just about had this them. Conversation with somebody the other day. There's, for for all the practical reasons a Hummer owner will tell you that they own it for, you can find <laughs> a plethora, a plethora of other vehicles. Bro, bro, listen, okay. Sometimes I got people I got to take to the club. Who do you think I'm gonna roll up in a Civic? Rent a limousine. You, Rent know, you, a can limo. you, can, you can get them pretty cheap. Exactly. Take a cab. I don't know. Take a cab. Uber, bro. Yeah, um, Uber XL is a thing now. Oh, is it for big yes. for big cars and stuff? Yeah, you can get like full size SUVs and bigger now. Nice. Sick. Okay, so there you go, people. Uh, rent your rent your Tahoe. Out. Yeah. Rent your uh, Escalade. So. Yeah, it's just because people want to either own a gun similar to what they maybe used in the military, mm-hmm. or uh, they want to own something similar to what the Russians have, or what the Brits have, or what the Spani- Spaniards have. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need a Corvette. No. Nobody needs a Corvette. No. You don't need 500 horsepower. You don't need a, you know... A demon, a Dodge demon. Right, it's a Dodge demon. Yeah, yeah. But they sure are cool. But they sure, they sure are cool. cool. Eight hundred horsepower in the Dodge demon. Just about. Just yeah. about for fifty to eighty grand. Yeah, I believe. Which I know fifty to eighty grand is still. It's a lot of 50 money. Fifty to eighty grand. It's, but when you consider what you're getting out of that car, it's dirt cheap. You can buy it's Lamborghinis. Accessible. You can buy Lamborghinis that have less horsepower than that Dodge demon. Yep. And they're going to cost you three times as much. And they're accessible to your average man. And guess what? You don't got to go through a background check to get a car. Or driving school to get a special driving school. Yeah. To, to get something. To understand the horsepower that, right, that right. you have harnessed you don't with have that. To, I should say a performance driving school. You don't have to go through a performance driving school. I think people probably should. But I also think take a hunter safety class that's not a that's not a bad thing to do no it's not um i think there's a lot of dorks they have running these hunter safety classes 
because I took one when yes. I was nine, and there was a lot of misinformation in there that I found out over the years. Yeah, um, yeah it's not a it's not a guarantee. Unfortunate. It's a lot. It's a lot more helpful. Than oh yeah. Not have it. But this goes back to understanding safety, right? If you're a gun owner, if you are going to have it, if you're going to go to the range and rent one, you have a higher threshold of responsibility now. Mm-hmm. And you need you have the responsibility to know more and be able to um, conduct yourself in a manner that you would want other people to conduct themselves in. So that being said, why do most people have these, we'll say, more efficient guns? Because they're cool. Because um, they're cool. Well, there's definitely a cool factor to them. But speaking personally, I like to have them as a tool. They are a more efficient tool yeah. for self-defense yeah. or for... Um, even for hunting, you yep. can build, and and this is getting into the weeds, so pardon us, but you can build a hunting rifle that resembles, or on the AR-15 platform is what people call it. Yeah, kind of the same genre. It's basically big boy Legos. Mm-hmm. Big boy Legos that go pew pew, essentially. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but, you know, these guns that people build for hunting, they're not practical for self-defense. They're not practical for anything but hunting game at long range. Yeah. And we're talking 500 plus yards, Mm -hmm. thousands of yards or a thousand yards. I mean, that's about, about what you can fit in the AR 15 is you're only going to be able to go about a thousand yards. But with that being said, Yes, you can use them for hunting. It's just a different configuration. Mm-hmm. So, with that, we've kind of hit some very basic stuff. I, I don't want to uh, give people too much information in this podcast. Information because overload. Inf- total information overload. So, um, if that was a little too much for you, that first little bit there, go back, take a minute, listen to it again. Um because right now we're going to launch into more of the statistics of crime in the United States specifically, but also in, I found a resource for Australia that comes from the Australian government. And we're going to kind of talk about um, different types of crime and murders and all of that kind of stuff now. So let's jump right into it. The first thing that I wanted to kind of look at is um, the definition of a mass shooting. Yep. Because oftentimes when we're talking about firearms, we're talking about mass shootings. Because for whatever reason, they are more common. Now, I wouldn't say more common, but they're more. there's more coverage of them. That's an important distinction. Because we, and not to say that they should be covered up. They should not be covered up. But if it bleeds... You can be darn sure that it leads on news media. So there's going to be more coverage, even though it's maybe not out of the ordinary. No. So, and please, please don't take what we say as we're being brash. 
or we're being um, disrespectful because every death is a tragedy. But what we want to do is we want to give those deaths context. Yeah. So, obviously, every mass shooting is a horrendous incident. And I wish they didn't happen. But we can't prevent people from hurting other people. Because for some reason... People want to hurt other people <laughs> for whatever stupid reasons they have. They want to hurt other people, okay. whether it's, you know, oh, my girlfriend left me and she's with this other guy now and I just want to hurt people. Or, yeah. you know, the voices in my head are telling me to go freaking shoot up mm-hmm. whatever. Anyway, they're horrendous and um, we want to kind of, but we won't be mincing our words and kind of watering it down. We're just going to kind of give you the statistics and that's what it's going to be. So mass shooting definition. What is it? Uh, Well, the FBI definition has kind of been rolled up into mass shooting where a mass killing is where there is three or more people killed in the same incident. And from the research that I've done, it seems as though mass shooting, because even though not all mass shootings necessarily involve three deaths or more, it's where three victims or more are involved in the same shooting incident. Um, So they can be the same thing, but are also semi-synonymous in a lot of ways. But... Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, mass shooting has become kind of a colloquial term at yeah. the same time. And uh, depending on which source you're reading, they're going to define it as something completely different. Mm-hmm. So right here, um, a New York Times article posted August 3rd of 2019 uh, says how many mass shootings, or the article title is how many mass shootings in 2019 last weekend underscored the violence is the title. Subtitle, this year there have been at least 32 fatal shootings with three or more victims in the United States. So you can kind of go down this list and they detail um, a couple of incidents that have happened since uh, obviously January to August. And, you know, a lot of them are just above the threshold. Five killed, five killed, 12 killed. Um, A fair number of them actually... Um, take place at people's offices because people are mad that they got fired. Yeah, that was actually a a, a sizable percentage of the ones that occurred uh, in 2018 and going back to 2017 as well, according to the annual reports from the FBI. So workplace violence is definitely... That's a common one. Um, unfortunately people are offended when you take away their living for one reason or another, whether that be justified or not. Um, another one, you know, just crazy people out of, and this comes from the New York times article that I just cited. Um, five women were fatally shot 
by a 21-year-old man who called dispatch after he did it and said, I have shot five people. Hmm. No reason. Just random violence. Um, you know, and then obviously in this one, they wanted to cover specifically the two mass shootings that happened August 3rd and 4th in El Paso and in Dayton, Ohio. So just a lot of this is random violence that people either had a plan or didn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard to see it coming. It's hard to see really any violence coming. So it's 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 hard to say that specifically if you passed a particular law that it would stop people from being violent. Because here's our issue. We we don't want people to be violent. No. We we try to keep people from being violent. What happens when you can't keep people from being violent though? They're going to find some outlet for their violence. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most of the time it's just another form of violence as we'll kind of touch on later. So let's look at, since there's really no, some people define mass shootings and we should be, we should kind of cover this so that when you hear mass shooting in the media, you can kind of say, how do, how are they defining mass shooting here? Because some mass shootings, all it takes is like three people have to be in the area. Or three people have to be injured. Yeah. In car wrecks, three people are injured. Is that a mass casualty incident? No. Not necessarily. It depends on their, the extent of their wounds. So sometimes in mass shootings, it just is people present. Sometimes it's people injured. Sometimes it's people killed. I think personally, mass shooting, it should be people killed. Um, that's the most honest statistic i think yeah and that's not a statistic that can be watered down you know you can't contextualize a mass shooting then just because there were a lot of people around when it happened and you can't make it a mass shooting you know because five people got shot in the foot you know right so let's gonna we're gonna jump into some statistics here real quick and kind of um, maybe talk about some news stories about people talking about the statistics. So what we have done is kind of look at some FBI numbers because we believe that probably the most credible numbers you're going to find are done by governmental agencies who have compiled this information mm-hmm. over many years. So um, I have uh, murders by state and type of weapon here. And I also have um, murder victims uh, by weapon as well. Um, you have some t- statistics, Wyatt? Yeah, we've got um, the amount of firearm deaths going all the way back to uh, the early 90s. We've got percentages of gun crime and violent crimes involving guns. Um, and how those may or may not actually be on the rise when you account for different things. Um, the amount of 
crime to other people using a firearm versus self-harm with a firearm uh, and uh, some other stats that kind of branch off from those but that will come around in due time so let's cover kind of some homicide data by weapon so in this chart uh, this is done by the FBI expanded homicide data table 8 in case you want to go look it up um, these are murder victims by weapon from 2013 to 2017. So they break it out by year. And what I've done is I've taken each year and I've sorted it by the most deadly weapon, essentially, uh, each year and or in 2017 because it, it changes from year to year. So the most deadly weapon in 2017 were handguns. Shocker. Mm -hmm. Guys that have firearms experience telling us that handguns are the most deadly weapon in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what we're saying. That's just the statistics. So a total of 15,129 murders were committed in 2017 by this study. This is what the FBI looked at. And handguns accounted for almost half of those deaths at 7,032 of those deaths. Now they have a category here, which is the second most common um, instrument to die by. Uh, and that is firearms type not stated, which is I think a weird statistic because there's 3,096 deaths where a firearm of some type was used. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know what those, they don't break it out. They don't tell us what exactly firearms type not stated is, but that's another 3,000. So right now we're up to 10,100 deaths, murders out of the 15,000. Um, we're done by handguns and firearms of random types. After that, the third most deadly weapon is knives. Uh, knives were responsible for 15 or 100. Let me try that again. 1,591 murders were by knife or other cutting instrument. And other weapons, or weapon not stated, was responsible for another 979. This is where the statistics get interesting. And I think this is something that's really important to point out. So, Knives are responsible for almost 1,600 deaths, and weapons of some type that's not stated are responsible for another 1,000 deaths, so that's 2,600, right? The next and number five is personal weapons. Here's a definition point for you. Personal weapons are hands, fists, feet, etc., so if someone were to kill someone with any body appendage, that is a personal weapon, just so you know. Um, those accounted for 696 deaths. 
Blunt objects, clubs, hammers, etc. were responsible for 467 deaths. And now we get to rifles. So rifles are the seventh most deadly item on the list. And they account for 403 deaths of the 15,000 deaths, murders, in 2017. The reason I find this interesting, and I think is important for everybody to know, is because when we talk about banning firearms, we're talking primarily about banning AR-15s. We're talking primarily about banning AK-47s. Those are rifles. There is no assault weapon designation on this list, but they would be thrown into the category of a rifle. So it's important to understand here that rifles are less account for less deaths every single year that I have here. There are fewer deaths by rifle than by blunt objects, clubs, hammers, things like that. Rifles are less likely to kill you than somebody's hands, fists, or feet. This is coming from the FBI. Rifles are less likely to kill you than knives or other cutting instruments. That is not to negate the statistic that handguns are more likely than anything by a vast majority to be used in a murder. But it is to say that the the stories that we hear of, you know, mass shootings murders, all that kind of stuff, they're not being done on the scale that people are being killed by handguns. So I think if there's any type of regulation that people should look at, which I'm not sure regulation could help any of this. Not when the percentages are that high. People should look at handgun regulation before they look at rifle regulation. Just because of the pure statistics that handguns are almost 20 times more likely to be used in a murder than a rifle. Now, what I think is really interesting about this um, topic in particular, when you look at this chart, I'm, I'm kind of a data data nerd, but if you look here, there were actually very few. If you're the last thing that anybody should regulate is explosives, <laughs> probably because they're already maybe because they're already highly regulated. Yeah, yeah I don't I would, know. I would assume that's why. Zero people died in 2017 by explosives murder. So, just so you know, don't worry about being blown up. Nobody dies by being blown up. So, um, with that. That's kind of my first chart that I wanted to look at. Wyatt, do you have a specific one that you want to look at? You think uh, is interesting? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to get the CDC causes of death for last year to, to come up. But while that's on the back burner, I'll look it up. Um, overall, I think another thing to consider is how people are sensationalizing the media is sensationalizing gun violence over the last few years 
um, and how it seems to be, you know, this out of control, just highly accelerating problem in our country mm-hmm. right now. Um, but if you look back, uh, going all the way back to uh, the early 90s, these are the stats I referenced earlier, that the overall you know, gross numbers of gun violence do seem to be on the rise as far as, you know, like just the total number of these incidents. But that doesn't account for actual fatalities resulting from the involvement of a firearm. And it doesn't, those stats are not accounted for any type of percentage of the population. So even, so those stats to say are not accounted for the growth in the United States population as a whole. So as you have more people, yes, it's, there's going to be more crime. The part that matters is, is the percentage of the population that's involved in that crime actually increasing and the answer is no. It's actually decreasing. And over the last 20 years, going back to the early 90s, almost 30 years now, believe it or not, it's actually been on a decline. Um, per 100,000, this is from the Pew Research Center, which cited FBI crime reports in this report, it's down to 4.6 per 100,000 person to other person gun crimes as compared to 7.2 per 100,000. So it's declined by almost half in that period of time. Um, The self-inflicted firearm harm is also declined, but not by as much. It's down to 6.9 per 100,000 self-inflicted gun harm slash suicide. That was the stat compared to 7.7 per 100,000 at the same point in time as that other statistic. So you're seeing it more in the news. You're seeing these numbers in, you know, articles from the Daily News and The Guardian and all these other news outlets that are giving you these inflated numbers compared to years prior that seem to increase and increase by a certain small percentage each year. Overall, the percentage of the United States population involved in those crimes is declining and by significant amounts over that period of time. Um, And if you go back to the 70s, I know that's far enough back that it's really not relevant to mention, um, but the overall trend of violent crime involving firearms and all other weapons that you mentioned earlier, knives, other cutting objects, Uh, pistols, rifles, stabbing or cutting objects has been on a decline ever since then. Sure, there are some years that that peak back up, but then come back down again, and the overall trend has just been less and less. Yeah, so it's important to understand kind of all the statistics going into this, and that while, while every death is a tragedy, there are other causes of death that are 
I mean, they're, they're really high as well. For instance, I'm looking at um, I'm looking at a CDC chart here of the top 15 causes of, or yeah, the top number of deaths for leading causes of death. That's a confusing title. Anyway, the top the top causes of death, obviously, you know, heart disease, cancer. But what I want to look at specifically is that accidents account for almost 170,000 deaths in the United States in 2017. Same, and diabetes kills more people. Um, but I think the important statistic to look at is that you hear, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of firearms deaths in the United States. Let me look at uh, firearm death statistics. Yeah, I've got a, a page here real quick uh, from the CDC. The top 10 causes, top 10 leading causes of death in the United States in both 2016 and 2017, mm-hmm. top three are heart disease, cancer, unintentional injuries, in that order. You go after that, it's chronic uh, lower respiratory disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, influenza, pneumonia, kidney disease, and suicide. Obviously, suicide can involve the use of firearms, but that's a very broad uh topic that can unfortunately include plenty of other modalities that aren't specifically listed otherwise right um so let me let me see this here there is um oh shoot i hate it when the when you get like a google result and you're like you're reading the text under the google result and you're Mm -hmm. like oh yeah yeah yeah, i want to look at that and then you have to like go hunting in the article to like find what you're looking for. The one sentence out of four pages that you're looking for. Yeah. So suicide in particular is a, obviously it's a touchy subject for a lot of people. Suicide, it's rough because it inflates the number of gun deaths mm-hmm. each year. And so right here, if we look at it, and this is this is not a conservative source. It's everytownresearch.org. This is the thing that was start this is the website that was started after Sandy Hook. And they wanted to they basically just, you know, talk about how if you have guns in your home, you're more likely to hurt people with guns and that kind of stuff. I, obviously, if you have a gun in your house, the chances of being hurt by a gun go up. If there are no guns, nobody gets hurt by guns. Unless someone breaks in your house with a gun. Right. Oh, so let's Okay. So this is what I this is what I mean to say. If the United Exposure. States If the United States was completely taking like all the guns. Everybody, nobody has guns. Cops don't have guns. Criminals don't have guns. Criminals don't have guns. Okay. Civilians don't have guns. Military doesn't have guns. Nobody in the United States would die from a gun mm-hmm. unless they went to Mexico or Canada, assuming they still have guns. Yeah. 
That may be a, well, Adam, no, duh. But, I mean, so that so that's why I think it's sort of a an intellectually sort of weak, weaker argument mm-hmm. to say that your statistics of dying by gun are more, are higher if you have a gun around you. Yeah, yeah. I that's, think that's, a natural, that's the way it works. It's a natural law of exposure for the same reason as if anybody never goes in the ocean, no one would ever be eaten by a shark. If you don't drive down the road, your chances of getting in an auto wreck are very, very low. Yes. So, that being said, we're looking at everytownresearch.org, and we're looking at, I think this is their home, it says Gun Violence America is the extension. So, nearly two-thirds of gun deaths are suicide. So, if you see a gun death statistic, which I believe is around... 30 to 40,000 each year. Two thirds of that, 20,000 or 25,000 mm-hmm. of that number is suicide. Yep. Meaning, anybody that's being murdered by a gun is much lower. Yep. Which um, is where your mass shootings are going to fall in to that, they're going to fall into that category. Right, and I mean that that matches up with the the crime reports uh, and death certificate uh, databases that go back to I think this stat goes back to 1993. So that number has held relatively constant throughout that whole time. Uh, in that case, 60% of all firearm deaths were suicide, so self-inflicted firearm deaths. Mm-hmm. Thirty-seven percent were firearm deaths inflicted upon other people. Three percent were other, and other could include everything from not knowing if it was suicide or against other people, uh, or justifiable homicide. Potentially homicide, which could include civilians stopping crime or law enforcement officers stopping crime, all that lumped into one accounts for 3%. And only 37% of all firearm deaths involved person-to-person crime. I think that highlights that, and I don't want to steer the conversation too far away from the stats just yet, but I think that, if nothing else, just highlights that there's more of a culture slash people problem than there is an actual weapons problem. Because, I mean, if we go back, let's say we go back to 1500. Sure. Very few people have guns in 1500. Yeah. I forget when the first gun was actually invented, but we're getting closer in 1500. Circa then. Circa then. China. In China. So... Basically, what we're looking at is most people, if they die violently, are probably dying by a sharpened metal implement. Yes. So, it's 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 not unreasonable to assume that the modern-day sword, the modern-day knife, is the gun. Mm-hmm. 
It's just the natural evolution of weapons. I mean, they're right. As, and you could take that a lot of different ways. You could say, well, people just want easier ways to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And there is an element of that in the invention of a lot of different weapons. Right. That's how nuclear power came to be. Right. Um, Bows. Bows helped people kill from a distance. Yeah, I the, want to stab yeah. that guy way over there. How am I going to... Maybe I should shoot a little wooden shaft with a sharpened point mm-hmm. at him. Exactly. But you can also take in a different direction and say that as the escalation of causes of harm continues, you need to meet it equally in order to have the fighting chance. And that's just how it is. It's kind of hard to stop somebody with a gun with a kitchen knife. It is. Unless that guy with the gun is really stupid, you don't have a really good chance. There have been an increase. or I mean, obviously, if you can't get a gun from a normal, like, gun store you're going to get it on the black market or you're going to use another implement to kill mm-hmm. people you're going to yeah. use a car maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're going to use look at europe look at europe you i'm i specifically want to reference london here because london has a very high rate of knife crime to the point where some police officers are starting to go back to wearing chainmail right so because you have a higher rate of knife crime, the mayor of London, I think he, it may have been tweet, asked people to turn in their knives. There are knife receptacles in London now. Because too many people are being stabbed. Because it turns out people who have ill will against somebody else, maybe they're in a rival gang or they don't like them or whatever, they are going to kill each other one way or another. And it doesn't matter how close they have to get. If they have a bat, um, ill enough will, they will hurt them. So people are stabbing each other in London, and the mayor wants people to turn in their knives. It's not going to solve the problem. It's a heart problem. It's mm-hmm. not a knife problem because you still need to cook somehow and you can't go out to a restaurant and enjoy a nice steak unless you got a knife to cut it with. So um, with that, that's some more statistics for you. Um, let's look here. Uh, real quick mm-hmm. before we move on talking about how people with ill intent are still going to find a way to carry out said ill intent. Yes. Uh, last year, going back to the FBI report that was put out for 2018, a lot of these uh, classified mass shootings uh, happen in either areas where they're, quote, not supposed to happen, Mm-hmm. or B, by people who are explicitly and or legally not allowed to possess firearms, but they still find a way to do it. So you can remove one avenue in this particular case. That's the legal avenue of possession of firearms. You can take that out of the mix. 
someone's still going to find an illegal avenue to carry out said crime. Um, and if then if you remove the tool of the crime, not necessarily the avenue of the crime, the tool of the crime, like in London, as you just talked mm-hmm. about, take away the guns, people just get stabbed to death. And it happens in China, too. You know what? Civilians aren't allowed to have guns over there, so everybody gets stabbed to death. Yep. So it's... And uh, what's just extremely poignant right now is that uh, Hong Kong is experiencing massive protests. The only people with guns are the police. And the police are pointing guns at protesters who simply want democracy. Yep. How do you ensure democracy? People with guns uphold the democracy. In our, in the United States, the police haven't gotten to the level of forbidding democracy yet. Um, God forbid they ever do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of police officers would have an issue with those orders if they were. And um, So far you, they have with lesser orders. Yes, yes. So when when you start seeing police officers say, we, we're not going to abide by these laws, we, we're not going to prosecute, we're not going to do anything like that, that's when you know you've either got um, a heinous law going into effect or you've got some um, police officers that should maybe get a gift card to Krispy Kreme. I don't know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, that being said, yeah, I think that's partially my personal belief. Um, and a lot of people in the gun community agree that the Second Amendment is specifically intended to maintain democracy. Because once you start to ban things and become an authoritarian society, the people with guns take away your power to go to the polls, to vote for who you want, and then they start to ban you from being able to go places that you want to go, um, do things that you want to do, and that's when you start to fall into a society that is um, ruled by a dictator and not by the population. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um I mean, just like at Hong Kong and how those protests are going for the protesters. Unfortunately, the answer is not good at all. So Right. So um, turning to a different kind of um, statistic, this is firearm violence uh, statistics. This is specifically... Um, where is it? Self-protective behaviors by type of crime. This was done by the Department of Justice from 2007 to 2011. Um, In that total period, and they have it kind of confusingly broken down, but I'm just going to quote the primary statistics here. Um, From 2007 to 2011, which is a four-year period, Let's see, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, yeah. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, five-year period, okay. So self-protective behavior, there were, there's two different uh, numbers here. One is um, the number of violent crimes where self-protective behavior was exhibited. Um, 
there were 29 million incidents, 29.6 million incidents of violent crime where somebody exhibited some sort of self-protective behavior. Um, and then property crime where somebody exhibited self-protective behavior, there were uh, 84 million incidents between those two years. So it's not that um, these things never happen, but it it does happen. It does happen in some situations where people use uh, firearms in self defense. Um, so here it says right here in 2007 to 2011, about one percent of non-fatal violent crime victims used a firearm in self-defense. So there were 235,700 victimizations where the victim used a firearm to threaten or attack an offender. This amounted to approximately 1% of all non-fatal violent victimizations in the five-year period. Let's see... And it was stable at under 2% from 1993 to 2011. So that is to say that about 1% of people who are victimized are um, use a firearm in self-defense. Now, it should be also noted that... Um, 44% of the total number of victims use uh, did not resist in any way. 1% um, attacked or threatened the offender with another type of weapon. 22% attacked 22% of the total non-fatal uh, violent victimizations. The victim attacked the offender without a weapon hitting or kicking, and 26% uh, use non-confrontational methods, either yelling, running, hiding, or arguing. So, obviously, we can see that, you know, it's less than 1% of total non-fatal victimizations that use a firearm, but that's a heckin' lot of people, dude. That's 235,000 people. Or less people because maybe somebody had multiple incidents. One person sure. had multiple incidents. Sure. And really, 235,000, that's, uh, well, that's less than a thousandth of the population. So less than one every out of every thousand people have uh, defended themselves with a firearm. So I just thought, you know, that's another statistic to look at. If you want to say, you know, you don't need a gun to defend yourself. Fair enough. I think I think you could probably argue that with statistics, but I wouldn't want to take guns away from those two hundred and thirty-five thousand that needed them mm -hmm. in that in that circumstance. And that's that's uh, more people use guns to protect themselves than were murdered by weapons in the United States yeah. this year. By far. Well, in a five-year period. So even if you broke it out by five, that's still 40,000 people a year. 
um, defending themselves. So at a rate about three times greater, people Mm -hmm. defend themselves to people being murdered. So that's another statistic that is interesting to look at. Um, Yeah. So let's see. What's some other stuff that we can reference real quick? Did your did your iPad die? It did. Thankfully, I have the the iPhone. Nice, nice. Um, let's see. So we've covered basically what a mass shooting is, um, and the mass shootings that are done by uh, rifles. Mm-hmm. Those are included in that number of rifled murders in the United States. And again, that was only 407 people in 2017. So let's see. Do you have some other statistics you can give them in the meantime? I am currently trying to find one uh, from the CDC on homicides and where it stacks up to that list we mentioned earlier. Because... um, when I did bring up that that top ten causes of death in the United States for the years twenty sixteen and seventeen, mm-hmm. homicides or any other kind of violent crime did not even come close to cracking into the top ten. Mm-hmm. So now I'm trying to find out where exactly that does land on the list. Yeah, and just as a reference, but this is always you know you're more you're more likely to die by getting struck by lightning. You're more likely to die by a by being shot by a rifle than being killed by lightning because the average is 51 people die each year from being struck by lightning. Um, yeah, 50, 51 people annually. So, really, what's that? Um, 51 people die from lightning, 400 people die from being shot with a rifle. It's all about context, people, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, you could think, oh my gosh, 400 people die. Well, the United States population is over 300 million people. So just to kind of give you an understanding, 400 people, or 400 divided by 300 million Gosh, and now it's gonna give me, <laughs> it's gonna give me uh, negative exponents. I don't want that. Uh, so the current U.S. population, it looks like, near the end of 2018, was 327.2 million people. 327.2. Yeah, and that's a lot of people. The total number of homicides that had occurred during that same previously mentioned period for the one calendar year were 19,000 and change. Whereas the other top 10 causes of death were in the hundreds of thousands each. And so of the whole population, if you want to put it in a statistic, right? Mm-hmm. Take 19,000, you divide it by 327.2 million. That's uh, 
0.000058% chance that someone is murdered each year. Now, you could be one of those people that's like, oh my gosh, there's a number to it. That's mean. That must mean it's pretty high. That's not even, I mean, that's so, it's not statistically significant as the scientists say. No. So in a lot of research papers, it depends on how particular each publishing body is for their variances, their acceptance of variance is, but it's typically in the neighborhood of 3 to 5% for mm-hmm. something to be statistically significant uh, in comparison to a baseline or a placebo effect. Mm-hmm. And we don't even come close to... what five one millionths or something like that of a percent tens hundreds thousands ten thousandths hundred five hundredths five hundred thousandths of one percent of one percent that's how or if you want to round up six hundred thousandths of one percent yeah it's basically six hundred six one hundred thousandths of one percent of deaths that occur annually of murders right this is murders of of all well of all deaths or well let, let me let me rephrase the the statistic cuz i got that part completely wrong there's 327 million people in the united states okay 6 100ths 100 of 1% of the united states population were killed by homicide that's mm-hmm. all homicides. That does not even include firearm-involved homicides. So the fact Which are about that, half, probably, or less. Uh, it's just above half. Okay. It's just above half. So there's definitely a hyperbole or hyperinflation of these statistics for some reason that doesn't add up to the reality of the actual numbers that are out there and I think you and I have done a good job so far of just giving the numbers that are there from Pew Research Center which is cited by everybody Mm -hmm. you have the FBI you have the CDC Mm -hmm. like these are massive either governmental organizations or private entities or trusted private entities or yet historically very accurate trusted statistical organizations so i don't know so <laughs> those I, are the numbers it's sh- yeah and so it should be noted by people that that's that's what's going on um and obviously like we've said or like i've said a bunch of times at this point it's a tragedy but it doesn't reach the level of hysteria that a lot of people are saying not even close i mean but listen we had one or two cases of ebola in the united states a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and people blew up and were afraid to go to the store because they thought somebody had brought ebola back from west africa yeah and And they had a hand you could probably count i don't know for sure i think it was like three cases yeah so take this with a grain of salt but i'm pretty sure you can count on one hand the amount of confirmed ebola cases that happened during that two-week news cycle of just 
contagion movie-esque panic that was occurring about this. Tonight, for the first time in five years, we have a confirmed case of Ebola in the United States. Everybody should be watching what they touch in public right now. Mm -hmm. Come on. As if we really had that many people traveling back and forth from Central Africa anyway. So You should be more careful crossing the street than watching for who's got Ebola. Yeah, for sure. To be totally for honest. Sure. So, um, with that, I mean, a lot of a lot of these deaths involve gang violence too. They and do. If, if it's you look, really hard. If you look deeper into it than this podcast needs to, you can look at classifications of violent crime on based on the FBI has reports that categorizes uh, street gangs, motorcycle gangs. It, I mean, that's how in-depth it goes. It, MS-13, they're still gangs, Hells Angels. But it dis- distinctly differentiates the, the types of violence there are, and the majority of them are, unfortunately, organized crime, whether it's some form of gang or another. Mm-hmm. Very, very little of it is just random crime. It's probably... I don't know. I shouldn't say very little. It's probably closer to 50-50 than people realize. But um, if you just found a way to get around that in a perfect world, everything would be great. Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. Right. So before we get to the maybe more hopeful part of this, which is we're going to cover kind of what you can do to – Maybe be more prepared for any type of uh, violent incident that comes knocking at your door. Um, I wanted to kind of cover some statistics from the good old buddies down under. Ooh, the, uh, the Aussies. The Aussies have a really good page, by the way, for crime statistics. Shout out to the Australians. You guys rock when it comes to pages for statistics. Um Australia has really low homicide rates in general. Um, They also have a population that is less than a tenth the size of the United States. And they're spread out over a huge, huge piece of land. Okay, quite frankly, it's huge. Australia, Mm -hmm. everything's trying to kill you anyway. I don't know why you'd want to kill anybody else. So... uh, (laughs) They have a chart here, and it looks like their newest numbers are from 2013 and 2014, when they last did a study. 38% of their homicides were by stab wound. Now, those are some weird numbers. Mm-hmm. The United States, most most murder victims are murdered by gun, uh, handgun, mm-hmm. pistols. Why does Why does Australia have... 38% of their, the leading cause of homicide is stab wound. Why? Real quick interjection is okay. if you add up the numbers you were mentioning earlier about handguns being the, the number one, mm-hmm. if you add those number, the handgun number together with, I think, the second or third stat line below it, you still get roughly 40 to 45% of the overall crime involving those, which coincidentally just was substituted with knives at almost the exact same percentage rate 
Correct. Um, which, I mean, we can go over to those statistics real quick. Um, <clears throat> da, 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 da. So the three leading causes of death, murder, mm-hmm. not death, murder, in the United States uh, in 2017, the top two were guns, and those make up 75, 60%, 60% of total murders. Um, the next one is knives, and those are approximately 10% mm. of the total. So those three leading causes right there are 85% of, mm-hmm. 85% of total murders. Um, that being said, so yeah, uh, handguns in particular, those are about 50%. So, um, why does Australia have the number one cause being stab wounds? They banned guns, most guns, in 20, or not 20, gosh, 1996. Yes, in the 90s. They had a massive gun confiscation. Um, But what's interesting to note is that 13% of their murders from 2013 to 2014 were still by gunshot. So they still haven't eliminated a statistically significant portion of their firearm, of their total murders um, by confiscating guns. So if you think, if if somebody out there is thinking, well, if we just get rid of all the guns, if we just have everybody turn in all their guns, we'll get rid of gun crime. Nope, that is not the case. In fact, you will probably still have a statistically significant portion of your total murders be committed with a handgun or some other type of gun. And in response to a statement that might be posed is, well, you still got rid of the violent crime portion. Well, the answer is no. People just got stabbed a lot more than they used to. Um, but the overall the overall rate of violent crime didn't disproportionately or statistically significantly change Mm -hmm. at a level that correlates to the illegalization of firearms in Australia. What is interesting to note, and I think this is partially due to the uh, population density in Australia, Mm -hmm. um, there were only 449 murders in the three-year period between 2012 and 2014. 2012 and 2014. Mm. I said 2012 and 2014. I said the dates in two different ways. Did you catch that? Yeah, that's like doing, you know, MMDDYY or DDMMYYYY. Yeah. Dates. If you didn't catch that, that's yeah. not a chemical compound. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting the total number of homicides here. It's very low, which I mean, good for Australia, but still yeah what matters is the the percentages because as i mentioned earlier sure the overall numbers of violent crime might be increasing but when you compare it to the actual growth of the population and the percentage of that population that is involved in those crimes is decreasing so the percentages that that really matter when you get down to the nitty-gritty mm-hmm I'm trying to find the by weapon statistics here. Okay. 
Do they have an all? No, they don't have an all. Okay. Too bad. Anyway, they have a lot of statistics about... Um, oh, here we go. Stab wounds make up, again, almost 50% of total. Beatings and then gunshot wounds, looks like. We're the third. So, again, 14%. Even when you ban... A lot of, and they could still, they could still have guns. They could still have like hunting rifles and things like that. Yeah, a lot of Australians still possess a, a but certain it's, type of hunting firearm. It's a limited, limited quantity and probably limited magazines. Oftentimes, limited magazines under the factory issued capacity. Yeah. Um, you have to put like pins and all sorts of stuff in your guns to make that happen. So, um, let's see. I think that was the last statistic that I really had. Perhaps we should move on to what people can do. What can people do? And so what I mean what I mean by what can people do? This is what can you do to make yourself feel better? If you, you know, are extremely worried that you're that you are going to be that 500 thousandths or 500 thousandth of a percent of the American population that is murdered each year. If you're sure that that's going to be you, what can you do to maybe calm your mind a little bit? Let you be able to walk around with a little more confidence. Number one, are you prepared to be armed? This goes back to the self-defense thing. Mm-hmm. Are you, is that something that is in your mind that you can do? A lot of people are concealed carrying nowadays, or at least have their permit. Yeah. Uh, wasn't, this is a stat we actually should have brought up, um, but I didn't bother to look it up. But I'm pretty sure that Washington State over the last two years has seen successively higher uh volume of issued concealed carry permits mm-hmm. as a whole in the state. That's what I've the number heard too. of people applying for and receiving cuz Washington is a shall issue state. Right. Of people applying and receiving their concealed pistol license than in years prior. That's happened 2 years in a row now. I think it's happened in most states. Mm-hmm. People have gone out and in larger numbers than in past prior years have gone and said, I want to get my permit to be able to conceal a handgun on my person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a good thing. I mean, people who would want to fire back with, well, that's just putting more guns on the street in hands of people who maybe or maybe shouldn't have them. The amount of crime committed by a legally carrying firearm owner who's gone through the appropriate processes and been approved by the issuing body of whoever issued them their permit. Oftentimes the county sheriff. In in the majority of cases, especially in our area, the amount of violent crime committed by those people is s- smaller than the number of Smaller than the of, average population. Yeah, it's smaller than the average population, and it's smaller than the percentage of the population that were involved in homicides involving firearms last year mm-hmm. by 
probably that much more. So, I mean, you'd be looking at a, a number that is so small, it doesn't even bear mentioning. So, And I don't know the exact rules, but I'm pretty sure you get your concealed license, like, revoked if you get certain types of, if you do certain types of crime. Yeah, it, types different, of crime. different types of crime in, in different areas, depending on their laws, carry different penalties and can see the revoking of your license just like if you're if you're a convicted felon you lose your right to vote and you lose your right to own and carry a firearm right those are those are two that just go out the window right away so straight up i'm people who follow the law and when the laws themselves are upheld while they're in place do a fantastic job of of upholding the law right so if that's something that you want to do consider it consider being armed understand where it's legal to do it because in some places it's like you can't conceal carry in the state capital no and if you get caught you'll be in a lot of trouble <laughs> yeah you will basically be a felon i think so don't play with that if you are somebody who would consider being armed talk to somebody who you know who has firearms maybe get them to take you shooting um get them to kind of maybe teach you Gun stores are often, they're, they're hit or miss in whether they recommend that people do it or not, um, but they often have good resources. They can point you to maybe some good training programs or whatever to kind of get you, if you're interested, they can point you in the right direction. Second, be medically prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, if you feel confident enough in yourself and in your ability to react Think about carrying around some medical equipment. It's very lightweight, and the, the equipment that I'm specifically talking about is tourniquets. Mm -hmm. Think about carrying a tourniquet. Think about carrying a chest seal. Depending on the chest seal, um, it really depends. Think about carrying some gauze. Take a class. Sometimes I took a free class that was put on by the Olympia Fire Department, and I'm going to plug this one particular organization for um let's see i'm going to plug this organization that i took the class with because they did a fantastic job um they are called combat first aid it is a bunch of um swat officers from around Washington state and it's um, and police officers basically. And they teach this class on how to respond to um, basically massive bleeding. And they teach you kind of how to pack a wound. Uh, they bring in like a pork shoulder that oh, they've nice. shot with um, both the two, two, three, which is a, the standard cartridge used by the AR 15 mm -hmm. They've shot it also with a handgun round, which is nine millimeter. For most people who are in the know, that is what most common handguns shoot. Nine millimeter, 40 Smith and Wesson, mm -hmm. um, 45 ACP, less common. It's a FUD caliber. Yeah. You FUDs out there. Um, 22, stuff like that. Anyway, nine millimeter, very common. 
So um, think about carrying a tourniquet. Uh, super easy, super lightweight. Um, because I took this class from them, I bought a tourniquet from them. Um, I bought some chest seals because I know how to put those on. Um, I carry gauze with me to be able to pack a wound. Um, and it's just so that I'm prepared. You know, maybe it's not me rendering the first aid, but I have equipment that can be used by somebody else rendering first aid. Mm-hmm. Being there and simply being prepared are some of the biggest um, advantages that you can put on your side because here's the deal. You want to stack as many advantages in your side of the court as possible. Um, you don't want to be just somebody sitting there being like, well, I hope somebody comes and helps because I can't help. Yeah, that's the worst spot to be in. So consider that. Consider uh, concealed carrying potentially. Um, I would say that that's the highest level of preparation. Mm-hmm. If you're going to conceal, if you're if you're prepared to step all the way up to lethal protection, concealed carry, you should definitely have some sort of medical carry mm-hmm. in place, uh, and you should be you should understand how to use both of those things. Yeah, if you're going to concealed carry, you need to go practice. You yeah. have to know how your gun works. Yeah. There's no two ways around it. You have to know how to use. You have to know how to aim. You have to know how to reload. You have to know how to undo a jam. You have to know all of it inside and out. It's a lot of responsibility to assume. When it comes down to it, when you get your concealed carry permit and you self-acknowledge that you're now in a position where you're willing to carry a firearm for defense of yourself, your property, your family, or people in public, the ultimate reality is is that you're accepting responsibility to end somebody else's life. Should the and circumstances it, require Should the circumstances require it, you need to be in a position where you can do that, and that requires a lot of, A, responsibility to determine when that's necessary. Not, not every self-defense situation is going to require that. That's, that's not the case, but you you need to be able to discern mm-hmm. what that case is when to act how to act and when you do need to act you're going to be doing it with your heart rate through the roof yep knees weak arms are heavy maybe vomit on sweaty. your maybe vomit on your sweat maybe i mean spaghetti on. you're nervous okay yeah you're going to be very nervous and you're not going to have a lot of cognitive function or fine motor control and you need to have all that stuff down to a science it needs to be motor memory at that point so what you're saying is on the surface you should be calm and ready to drop bombs nine millimeter bombs yeah correct so think about that think about being medically prepared if all of this is just like oh my gosh you guys are you know completely i won't use the r word because some people get mad when i use the r word can i say it you can say whatever you want. Okay. I maybe shouldn't say it. This is a podcast. Just understand wanna, where this is going. I want to damage your show. Uh, I'm going to have to put the explicit title on it if you use the R word. Oof. Just saying. Uh, so if if you if you're thinking, oh my gosh, you guys are just stupid. You're just, you're just, you're just a couple idiots on a podcast. I can still use the I word. Uh, you're a bunch of idiots on a podcast talking about stuff, being armed, medically prepared. You're insane. Well, 
I don't know. There's lots of times where I've used a little medical kit that I carry around yeah. all the time. Yeah, for sure. I've used the Band-Aids in it. I actually, I used my gauze one time. This is the one time I was like, heck yeah, I'm prepared. <laughs> it pays off. Uh, little little side note on a story. So uh, I was interning with the water department, Ooh. Tacoma Water. And I may have told this story on the podcast before. I'm not sure. But, I don't think I've heard it. So that's yeah, you've heard it. You've heard it. Uh, I was share. I shared an office with another intern, and we both worked on about the same stuff. And he was playing around one morning. Just decided to, for some reason, unpack his bag that he hadn't unpacked from school that he was carrying to work every day. And as he was unpacking, he found a calculator that was broken. So in his infinite wisdom, he proceeded to take the calculator apart, screws off the back. You know, he had a Swiss army knife and stuff. And what he decided was that he was going to cut the little plastic rivets off the circuit board so that he could take the circuit board out of the calculator. Hmm. I told him, don't cut towards yourself. And stop doing what you're doing. I don't understand why you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I kept looking over and he was cutting toward himself. He was cutting toward himself. His fingers mm-hmm. on his opposing hand. And he just told me to mind my own business, basically. So I did. With a sick feeling in my stomach, I minded my own business. Mm-hmm. I turned around. I start doing my own thing. And all of a sudden, I hear something. I hear the knife skip across the circuit board you know it makes a click yeah click sure and i heard something go click right he inhaled yeah instantly inhale and he was like he starts like cussing or whatever Mm -hmm. and i look back and his fingers spurting blood nice all over the desk on his chair on the floor and he's trying to grab kleenex and stop the bleeding and i was like gosh dang it I won't say his name. Gosh dang it. So-and-so. I told you not to cut towards yourself. Mm -hmm. I turn back to my bag. I grab my gauze out of the bag, and I grab two, I think I grabbed two sections of gauze, wrapped it around his finger, gave it to him. He applied pressure to stop the bleeding, and then he ended up having to go to the, like, little emergency clinic place. Mm -hmm. Not the emergency room, but, like, a little... Like a walk-in clinic. clinic. Yeah. yeah. So he goes, he gets like three or four stitches in his finger, but I had gauze that day and we stopped the bleeding from getting, from being much worse. Mm-hmm. Cause that sucker, I mean, he cut off a significant chunk of skin mm-hmm. and, uh, anyway, you know, if you don't think you want to be medically prepared, just think about it a second time, please. You'll help everybody there. And if even if you don't want to do it, somebody else is probably there thinking, man, I wish I had something to help sure. in this circumstance. Yeah, a lot. I'm sure people are. And people have wanted the ibuprofen that I've packed all the time. They're like, did somebody have something? I have a horrible headache. Hey, I've got ibuprofen. You need some ibuprofen? Mm-hmm. You need some acetaminophen? I got it. Right? Yeah. Um, lastly, just don't be a sheeple. Be vigilant. Yeah. Don't be paranoid. Okay, I did not just tell you to be paranoid. I told you to just be aware. 
You don't have to, you know, play the what if game maybe once or twice when you're out shopping or whatever. If I see something go down, I'm going to start walking in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start calling 911. If you can't get involved, you better call somebody up that can get involved. Yeah. Where, you know, if if you had to run, if you had to hide, where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Yeah, where is my exit? Where is my... Behind the toilet paper in Walmart or Costco is great, by the way. There's always open open space right behind the toilet paper or the paper towels. FYI. Hmm. That's my hidey spot. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Secrets out. (laughs) Secrets out. The secrets out. Um, Also, you know, I don't really look for exits, but I know where I can run generally to find an exit Mm. um just be aware yeah just look at people it takes you know turn around every once in a while you know you're looking in one direction for long enough just kind of turn around take a quick glance over your shoulder see who's following you if they've Mm -hmm. been following you for a while maybe stop let them pass whatever it's not don't be paranoid just be just be comfortably aware yeah. of what's going yeah, on. Definitely. And don't overestimate your physical ability. No, everybody likes to imagine themselves as being Superman. The reality is, even for myself, someone out there who can kick my butt as easily as they want to. So, Right. So this is where a lot of people would say go get training jiu-jitsu striking whatever i'm not even to that point so don't worry about it (laughs) listen okay i wouldn't i'm not doing it so you don't have to do it uh but you know just just kind of be aware i know a lot of people aren't but that's a you know we can't all be aware all the time but the more of us that are aware the more people that can call the cops Mm -hmm. in the moment or can, you know, only get involved if you absolutely have to or you're trapped or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's my that's my two cents. I just try to know where the exit's at. If I'm sitting down at a meal or a coffee shop somewhere, I want to see the door or at least the route coming from the door if I can. And, yeah, like you said, just check over your shoulder. Just look around. Don't stare at any one direction for too long just be aware keep moving yeah and you know that's not paranoid that's just you know being aware i haven't guess been what? attacked yet if you, <laughs> yeah. statistically you're not going to be attacked no 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 uh, but, but i'm not it, making myself a target either right and guess what you'll see more people you know too if you're more aware You'll see more people you know. You'll get to say hi. You'll get to ask them what they're doing. You'll get to have a conversation. Every time I leave the house. Yeah. Just about. Just about. Eight times out of ten at least. So, you know, it's fun to be aware too. Yeah. You get to see see cool cars. I see a lot of cool cars. Yeah. Or you see like uh, interesting people or you're like, oh, that's a cool tattoo or, ooh, that was a bad placement for that piercing or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. You can pick up some stuff. Dude, or you can see, this is one of my favorite things to do, is like what kind of coffee people order. Oh, yeah. 
Or what kind of food they order. Yeah. If somebody in front of you orders an Americano, doesn't put any sugar or um, cream in it. Don't pick a fight with that man. Don't pick a fight with them. They are hard. Hard. And if they order an extra shot, don't talk to them yet. Nope. Give them a minute. Let, let the him, coffee kick let in. Let them get at least three sips in before you talk to them. This is the kind of stuff you get when you're aware, people. Mm-hmm. Don't be paranoid. Just observe. I agree. So, uh, anything that you want the people to know before we take off? No, I think we, we covered a decent amount of it. Um, Combat first aid. Get mm-hmm. your uh, Get your training. Connect with the fire department, maybe. See if they have any stop the bleed classes. Um, Check out. There's obviously lots of uh, YouTubers out there. You can research concealed carry. You can research Mm -hmm. wound packing. You can research all sorts of stuff. Yeah, if nothing else, just be really aware of what the specific laws are for where you live. Oh, yeah. That's another big one. They're different. Even city to city. Forget they're different state to state. They're different city to city. I live, and obviously Adam lives in the same place as I do, but we can live in the county we do and have a completely different set of rules than when we go to the major city north of us where the rules are completely different. It's just, yeah, it's different everywhere, and you just need to know. Even if you are, that's part of being a responsible owner and carrier Mm -hmm. is that if you're going to do so you need to know the rules otherwise you do end up being the bad guy without even knowing it so Mm -hmm. whether you think that's right or wrong you still need to be aware of what right and wrong is legally speaking because that's what's going to land you in jail or not not what is morally right or wrong Mm -hmm. unfortunately unfortunately gotta contend with the laws sometimes so with that uh, we've been going on for almost two hours now. And so, Have we really? Yeah. It's a little bit longer than I wanted. That's okay. Maybe somebody will stick around to the end here. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's been a tough conversation. If you did, we appreciate you. Followed us through the dark times. We love you. More than a friend. I'm joking about that. Not more than a friend. You're just a friend. Okay? Just a friend. Okay. <laughs> we'll catch you guys. In the next one. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. That is the podcast for, well, I didn't upload one last weekend, did I? So the last two weeks, it's it's been on my mind as a topic that I didn't want to throw out there until I was kind of comfortable with the way it sounded, um, which means, you know, I had to listen to it once maybe twice to make sure that it it said what I wanted it to say and that it wasn't callous because I think a lot of people come off as kind of callous maybe in the firearm community and they don't exactly put the human face on tragedy that is uh, gun violence so with that Hopefully the topic wasn't too much of a downer for you. Um, We'll be back in the next couple weeks with someone else probably. If you have a recommendation, if you want to hear something in particular, hit me up, leave a comment, 
Let me know what you think. And I'll see you next time.